بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I hope that everyone had a very joyous Eid May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us and from you and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us many more opportunities to celebrate these beautiful occasions in the future. Inshallah, tonight we will continue with our tafsir of Surah Yusuf from where we left off last week. Last week we spoke about the decision of the treasurer of Egypt, Qitfir, to imprison Yusuf alayhi salam. And as we have been talking about for the past few weeks, Yusuf السلام, grew up in the house of Qitfir. He was actually purchased by Qitfir and he grew up as a slave in the house of Qitfir. The wife of Qitfir was Zulaikha and Zulaikha became infatuated with Yusuf السلام, due to his, his good looks. And she tried to tempt him into having a haram relationship with her. But Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Yusuf السلام, from this. So eventually what happened is the word leaked out and the people started talking that, oh, Zulaikha, you know, she's trying to have this type of illegitimate relationship with her slave. And, you know, the talk and the gossip, it spread around the city. And because of this, Qutfir decided to imprison Yusuf السلام, unjustly. Even though Qutfir, he knew that Yusuf السلام, was innocent. He thought that by imprisoning Yusuf السلام, that would stop the gossip. Yusuf السلام, is in jail, then people will stop talking about this. This issue will die down. So let him go to jail, even though he doesn't deserve to go to jail. Let him go to jail. The issue will die down. And also one of the reasons why he imprisoned Yusuf السلام, was to basically save his own reputation and the reputation of his family. He wanted the blame to be shifted to Yusuf People would think, oh, Yusuf is in jail. That means he must be the guilty. And that would shift all of the blame to him. And it would basically exonerate in the eyes of the people, Zulaikha. The people would think, oh, Zulaikha didn't try to do anything. It's Yusuf who's guilty. That's why Yusuf is the one who is in jail, right? So this is, is, is pure oppression. You know, imprisoning an innocent man, a man that you know for a fact is innocent, a man who has proven his innocence to you. But still, you know, just for his own reasons, just to, you know, save his own reputation and the reputation of his wife and the reputation of his family, he decided to unjustly imprison Yusuf السلام. So Yusuf السلام, he goes to jail. And that's where we left off last week on the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then they saw that it would be appropriate. They thought in their minds that it would be, uh, that it would be appropriate to imprison Yusuf When they saw the signs of his innocence and they wanted the issue to die down, they decided to imprison him for some time. That they would keep him in prison for a certain period of time until this issue died down. All right, now continuing on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the time that Yusuf alayhi salam spent in prison. Now the next few verses are about Yusuf alayhi salam and the time that he was in jail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
that two young men entered the prison with Yusuf So Yusuf he entered the prison and he was there for some time. And while Yusuf was in prison, these two young men, they were in prison. Now, who are these two young men? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls them Fatayan, two young men. The Mufassirin have mentioned who they actually were, the backstory of these two young men who entered prison and why they entered prison. What crime did they commit to enter prison? So these two young men were actually men who worked for the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt was a man named Rayyan ibn al-Walid. And of course, as a king, he had a royal court. He had people who served him. He had ministers. He had people who worked for him. He had people who prepared his food. He had people who prepared wine for him and drink, right? So he had all sorts of people at his service. These two young men who entered the prison, they were from those who worked for the king. So who were they? One of them was the personal chef of the king. He used to cook for the king. He used to bake bread for the king. He was in charge of the food for the king. The second young man was the man who was in charge of, of making drinks for the king. So basically he would make wine for the king. He would serve the king wine and other drinks, right? So these two young men who worked for the king, they entered prison. So the person who prepared food for the king and the person who prepared drink for the king, they entered prison. So why did they enter prison? They worked for the king. And obviously they were in a position where they had access to the king. They were close to the king. So why did the king order for them to be in prison? So the Mufassirin have mentioned the backstory regarding the imprisonment of these two young men. It's a very interesting story. All right, as you know, anyone who is in a position of power and authority, like a king or a president or whatever, you know, the position of authority may be, anyone who's powerful will always have some enemies who basically want to get rid of him, right? And this is very clear when you look at history, when you look at any powerful person, you will always see that, you know, there were attempts made on the life of that person. There were attempts made to remove that person from power, right? Any person who reaches a position of authority and power, there will always be some people who are unhappy with that. And they want to get rid of that person for some reason or another. So this king of Egypt, Rayyan ibn al-Walid, he was, he was no different in this regard. He was a powerful man, the king of Egypt, and he had his enemies. So his enemies were always plotting to figure out ways to get rid of him, right? So there were some people who wanted to get rid of him by assassinating him, by actually killing him, right? But how do you, how do you kill a king, a powerful king who has security, who has guards, you know, who is very well protected? How do you get to this person to kill him? It's not an easy task to do. So they thought, these plotters, they thought the best way to get access to the king is through someone in his inside circle, someone whom he trusts. If we can get them on our side to do our work for us, then that is the easiest way to assassinate the king. So this is what they decided to do. So these enemies of the king, they approached these two young men who worked for the king. The personal chef of the king, and the drink server of the king, these two young men. So, so the plotters who wanted to assassinate the king, they approached these two young men and they offered them 
uh, a big bribe, a huge amount of money that, you know, if you just poison the food of the king, when you serve the king food that you prepare, just add some poison to it, he'll eat it and he'll die. We'll give you such and such huge amount of money as a bribe. You take it and you kill the king. This is what they said to the chef of the king. And the chef of the king, he was, he was amazed at this huge amount of money that he was being offered. And he accepted this bribe. He took the money and he said, okay, I will do it. They made the same offer to the server of drinks to the king. And he also accepted it initially. He thought that, okay, I'm going to be rich now. All I have to do is poison the wine of the king, poison the drink of the king. And, you know, I get to keep all of this money. So he accepted it at first too. So both of them initially accepted it. But later on, the server of drinks of the king, he decided to back out. He was like, no, no, I can't do this. He had initially accepted it, but then he turned back on him. He decided not to do it. So he did not poison the wine of the king. He did not poison the drink of the king. But as for the chef of the king, he went through on what he had told these people he would do. And he poisoned the food of the king. So he poisoned the food of the king, but the drink server did not poison the drink of the king. All right, it came time for the meal of the king. So the chef, he comes in with the food and the server of drinks comes in with the drinks. So these are people who are tr very, very highly trusted by the king, right? The person who serves food and drink, the king has been eating and drinking from these people for a long period of time now, he trusts them. So they come to the king, the chef with the food and the drink server with the drink. They present the meal to the king. The king is about to take a bite of food. But before he takes a bite of food, the server of drinks tells the king, stop. Don't eat from that food. Ya eyyuhal malik, O king, do not eat from that food, food because surely it is poisoned. Surely it is poisoned. Now the chef is shocked. He thought that they were both in on this together. He didn't know that the server of drinks had, had second thoughts about it. He didn't know. So when he heard him say this, when he heard him tell the king that the food is poisoned, he got shocked and he retorted back in the same way. He said to the king, yeah, you will make, don't drink the drink that this guy is going to serve her because, that this guy is going to serve you because the drink is poisoned. Do not drink from this drink. So now the king is shocked. The chef is saying the drink is poisoned. The server of drinks is saying that the food is poisoned. So he leaves everything. He doesn't eat anything. He doesn't drink anything initially. Then he tells the chef. Or first, actually, he tells the server of drinks. He says, drink the drink. I want you to drink it first. That's going to prove if it's poison or not. So the server of drinks, he never poisoned the drink. So he says, okay, I'll drink it. And he drinks it. And nothing happens to him. He's fine. Right? So now... This kind of exonerates the server of drinks that he really didn't poison the drink. He drank it himself and nothing happened to him. So then the king says, okay. And then he goes to the chef and he says, now you eat from that food that you are about to serve, eat it. And now the chef, he doesn't want to eat it because he knows he has actually poisoned it. And he knows that if he eats even one morsel of that food, he will drop dead. So he doesn't eat it. He says, no, 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 I don't want to eat it. So then the king realizes that, okay, that this really must be poison. But in order to prove it, they bring an animal and they make the animal eat something from that food. The animal eats that food, it becomes sick and it dies. 
So that proves that yes, the food was poisoned, but the drink was not poisoned. All right, so what does the king decide to do with this information? He decides actually to imprison both of these young men. That both of these young men are gonna go to jail until we decide for a final punishment what we're going to do with them, right? And the reason why he imprisons the chef is very obvious because you know he actually did poison the food. But why did he imprison the server of drinks as well? Server of drinks didn't poison the drink. And he actually is the one who saved the life of the king by telling him not to eat the food. So why did he go to jail too? The reason why he went to jail too is because he had knowledge about this, obviously. How did he know that the food was poisoned? And he told the king that. That means, you know, he, he had some knowledge or he had some prior information about this. So because he was also involved in some capacity, he decided to him, imprison him too, to decide and, and, until he could decide what should be done as a final punishment. So both of them enter prison. These are the two young men who enter prison. That's the backstory of these young men. They enter prison. Now, when they enter prison, Yusuf السلام, had already been in prison for a while. Some of the Mufassirin have said that he, was already, he had already been in prison for five years at that time. He had already spent five years in prison when those two young men entered, right? And when these two young men entered prison, they, they observed Yusuf السلام, They observed his manners, the way he interacted with other prisoners. And they saw that this is an amazing human being. Look at his akhlaq, look at his character, look at his, his patience, look at his way with, uh, of dealing with other people, right? His, his manners were impeccable. And his patience was, was something that's amazing. The way that he was patient upon such a difficult situation. And it is mentioned in some of the books of Tafsir that Yusuf السلام, he would help the other prisoners with whatever they needed. If he saw any prisoner was very sad or depressed, he would go and try to sit with that person and talk to him and cheer him up. If he saw uh, that any prisoner was sick or ill, he would go and he would, he, would, he would try to treat that, that prisoner with whatever he could treat him with. He would try to help him out in his situation, right? And any problem that any other prisoners would have, Yusuf even though he himself was in a difficult situation, he was unjustly imprisoned. He would always be at the service of other prisoners. So everyone in the prison, they loved him. Everyone in the prison, they loved him. Some of the books of, of the Mufassirin even mentioned that even the guards of the prison, they even loved Yusuf right? They even loved him. So he basically, he won the hearts of everybody there. So these two young men who entered, they were no exception to this. They, they, they saw the character of Yusuf and they, they, they loved him, right? So these two men, they entered prison and they decided to ask Yusuf about the interpretation of some dreams that they had. Yusuf during his time in prison, in prison, he would give da'wah to the prisoners as well. So he would tell the prisoners about himself, about who he came from, about who his father was, who his grandfather was, who his great-grandfather was. He would tell people, I am Yusuf, the son of Ya'qub, the son of Ishaq, the son of Ibrahim, the great prophet, right? So he would give da'wah to the people, call them to tawheed, right? And he would tell the people in the prison that he could interpret dreams as well. This is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, a miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Yusuf alayhi salam that would prove his truthfulness to the people. So as part of his da'wah, he would tell the people that I can interpret your dreams. 
So when the people, when the people would see that Yusuf can correctly interpret dreams, that's a form of da'wah. That this is a miraculous thing that has been given to this man. So what he's saying must be the truth. Right? So Yusuf السلام, he told the people in the prison that he knows how to interpret dreams. If you have any dreams, I can interpret them for you. So these two young men, they had, each one of them had a dream. And they asked Yusuf السلام, for the interpretation of their dreams. Okay, so these two young men, they tell Yusuf السلام, about the dreams that they had. One of them said that I see that I am pressing wine for the king. Basically, I'm pressing grapes and making wine for the king. So who is the one who had this dream? It was the, it was the drink server of the king. The one who didn't go through on the poisoning of the dream. The one who saved the life of the king basically by telling him that the food was poisoned. He had a dream that he's pressing grapes and making wine for the king. And some of the Mufassirin have mentioned some of the details of that dream. They mentioned that he saw, that the, this man saw in his dreams, three bunches of grapes, three bunches of grapes. And he was pressing these grapes and he had the cup of the king in his hand and he was making wine for the king. So that's the dream that he had. Inni arani I see that I'm pressing wine, I'm pressing grapes and making wine. The other one, the chef of the king, the baker of the king, what was his dream? وَقَالَ الْآخَرُ he said that I saw in my dream that I am carrying on my head bread and birds are coming and eating that bread. The Mufassirin have mentioned the details of this dream is that he saw that he's carrying three baskets on his head and those baskets were filled with bread and other types of food. So three baskets with bread and other types of food inside the baskets and birds were coming and eating from those baskets, right? So these are the two dreams that these, these young men had. And they asked Yusuf السلام, for the interpretation of these dreams. They said, Tell us the interpretation of these dreams. Surely we see you are from the muhsineen. You are from the people of Ihsan. We see that you are a righteous person. So tell us the interpretation of these dreams. We can see that you're a good man. They saw from his interaction with other prisoners that he's a good man. Always ready to be of service to anyone who needs his help. So they said, we see that you're a righteous person. You're a muhsin. You're a person who does good. So please tell us the interpretation of these dreams. So Yusuf السلام, before giving them the interpretation of these dreams, he could have immediately told them what the dreams meant. He knew the interpretation as soon as they told him the dreams. But he didn't want to immediately tell them the interpretation of these dreams. Rather, he wanted to give them some da'wah first, to call them to Allah first, to call them to Tawheed first. Now remember the people of Egypt, they are not monotheists. They do not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. They worshipped idols, they worshipped the sun, and they worshipped stars, and they worshipped these type of things as well, right? So they were polytheists. 
So Yusuf wanted to use every opportunity he had to call people to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he felt this is more important than interpreting their dreams. I will interpret their dreams, but first let me call them to Allah. Let me call them to Tawheed. And this is a beautiful, beautiful uh, snippet into the character of Yusuf Look at Yusuf He's in prison, unjustly, being oppressed. He didn't commit any crime, but he's in prison. But still, he feels that it is his, it is his responsibility to call people to Allah. Instead of moping around about his situation and feeling self-pity and trying to escape and trying to get out. No, he's patient. He knows that, okay, this is the qadr of Allah. This is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me. I will be patient upon this and I will still do what my duties are. I have to call people to Allah and I will call people to Allah no matter what situation I'm in. I'm in prison. Okay, there are other prisoners that I can call to Allah. Subhanallah. This was Yusuf alayhi salam. So Yusuf alayhi salam, he wants to call these two young men to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So before interpreting the dreams, he tells them, So he wants to show these young men a sign that he is a, a truthful person. That he is a person who has signs from Allah, who has miracles from Allah. And if they see that he has miracles from Allah, that will make his da'wah more effective they will be more likely to accept what he has to say. So he gives them a sign. He says, That no food will come to you that you are provided with, except that before it comes to you, before the meal comes to you, before the food comes to you, I will tell you what type of food it is. I will tell you what food comes to you before the food comes to you. So what does this actually mean? The situation of the prison there in Egypt, it's not like the prisons that we have here nowadays, right? In prisons nowadays, you have uh, a set menu, you get food from the prison itself. The prison itself, they're the, one, they're the ones who arrange your meals, right? But that's not how this prison was in Egypt. Rather, the prison was just basically a holding place, like a place, like a dungeon that you can't escape from, right? With security guards. But as for food and this and that, it wasn't provided by the government or by the prison itself. No, rather the families of the prisoners, they would come to the prison and they would bring food for their family members who were in, in prison, right? So it was not something that was provided to the prisoners by the prison. Rather, the prison was just a holding place and the families of the prisoners, they would bring the food to their family members, right? So Yusuf, he tells these two young men, the food that's going to come to you from your family people, I will tell you what kind of food it's going to be. Before it comes to you, I'm going to tell you what food is going to come to you. So this was the sign that he wanted to show them, that I know, I have knowledge from Allah. So believe what I have to say. See, this was basically, you know, he was just setting a foundation, basically, for them to trust him, so that he could give them da'wah and call them to Allah. So he said to them, قَالَ لَا يَأْتِيكُمَا طَعَامٌ تُرْزَقَانِهِ إِلَّا نَبَّأْتُكُمَا بِتَأْوِيلِهِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمَا that no food will come to you that is provided for you, except that I will tell you what kind of food it is before it comes to you. This is from what my Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught me. Allah has given me this knowledge. 
millata qawmin la yu'minuna billah wa hum bil akhirati hum kafirun i have left the way of those people who don't believe in allah and they don't believe in the hereafter i don't i don't follow the way of those people who disbelieve in allah and those people who don't believe in the akhirah those people who don't believe in jannah and jahannam i i don't follow the way of those disbelievers but rather what do i follow wattaba'tu millata aba'i ibrahim wa ishaq wa yaqub i follow the way and i follow the religion i follow the path of my fathers my fathers were ibrahim and ishaq and yaqub that's the way that i follow the way of these great prophets of allah who called to the worship of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone without any associates without any partners that's the way that i follow ma kana lana an nushrika billahi min shay that none of us would ever associate partners with allah i would never associate partners with allah my father yaqub would never associate partners with allah my grandfather ishaq would never associate partners with allah my great grandfather ibrahim alayhi salam would never associate partners with allah zalika min fadlillahi alayna and this is from the favor of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us allah gave us this great blessing He gave us this great favor that he made us from the people who worship him alone. Alhamdulillah alladhi hadana li hadha wa ma kunna linahtadiya lawla an hadana Allah. All praise is due to Allah who guided us to this to the straight path and we would have never been guided if Allah did not guide us. So Yusuf alayhi salam he recognized this. He recognized the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. The favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his, his father and his grandfather and his great grandfather ذلك من فضل الله علينا the fact that we never worshiped anyone other than Allah the fact that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and we don't ascribe partners or, or associates to him this is a great favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon me and my father and my grandfather and my great grandfather this is a great favor upon us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa'alan nas and the fact that Allah guided Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ishaq alayhi salam and Yaqub alayhi salam and Yusuf alayhi salam this is a favor upon them as individuals and it's also a favor upon mankind the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided Ibrahim alayhi salam Ishaq alayhi salam Yaqub alayhi salam and Yusuf alayhi salam it's a favor upon those four individuals and it's a favor upon all of mankind as well because these are the people who then spread that message to the people who gave da'wah to the people right so the favor of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon these prophets it's not only exclusively upon them but that favor it actually extends to others as well because they were spreading the message to others so for example allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the quran right this is a favor upon the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he gave him the quran it's a favor upon the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam but isn't isn't it a favor upon us as well that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam the quran it's a favor upon him of course sallallahu alaihi wasallam but isn't it a favor upon you and me as well of course it is 
because the Prophet ﷺ then conveyed that Quran. He taught that Quran and we learned it from him. And we continue to, to read it and to act upon it and to teach it to others. So the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Quran to the Prophet Muhammad is, is a fadl, it's a favor upon the Prophet Muhammad and it's a favor upon mankind as well. So in the same type of way Yusuf was speaking. This is a favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us, upon, upon me and my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather that we never associate partners with Allah. This is a favor of Allah upon us and it's also a favor upon all of mankind. But the reality is that most of the people, they're not grateful for this blessing. This is a favor of Allah that Allah sends you prophets, Allah sends you messengers to teach you the, the right way, to guide you to the straight path. This is a favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the people. But most of the people, they don't recognize this. Most of the people, they are not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this great blessing. But most of the people are not grateful. Then he continues giving da'wah to these two young men. Ya sahibay sijini. A'arbaabun mutafarriquna khair amillah al-wahid al-qahar. Here Yusuf salam is making a comparison between polytheism and monotheism. He's making a comparison between Worshipping multiple objects of worship or worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. What is better? He tells these people, Ya sahibay sijin. Oh, my two companions of this, this prison. What is better? Is worshipping multiple objects of worship one idol made out of gold, one idol made out of silver, one idol made out of iron, worshipping the sun, the moon, the stars, worshipping all of these different things. Some of them you say are more powerful, some of them are, are, are intermediate in their power, some of them have less power, right? It, does this make sense? Is that better? Or to worship Allah, Amillah, Al-Wahid Al-Qahar, or to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, the one the one who overpowers all things. What is better? What makes more sense? Of course, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone makes more sense. He's trying to make these people understand. And then he says to them, Whatever you're worshiping besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these idols that you worship, they're nothing. They cannot harm you, they cannot benefit you, they're just names that you named yourselves. They have no power. It's just names that you and your father's name. They can't do anything for you. Similar to the idols of the Quraysh, right? The Quraysh, they had many idols, right? Many false objects of worship. Allata wal Uzza, Manat, Hubal, right? All sorts of idols that they had. And they gave the names to these idols. They built these idols with their hands. And then they gave names to these idols. And the idols, they have no power whatsoever. Right? So Yusuf is telling these people who worshipped idols. That whatever you're worshipping besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's just names that you and your father's name. 
And these objects that you named, they don't have any power. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give these things any authority. Rather, the hukum, the rule, the legislation, it belongs only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has the right to legislate. Whatever is halal is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made halal. Whatever is haram, it is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram. No one else has this type of, of right to legislate. Rather, the right to legislation goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. إِنِ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ أَمَرَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ And Allah, from His commandments, He has commanded that you do not worship anyone but Him. أَمَرَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ He has commanded that you worship no one but Him. And this is the greatest commandment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to mankind. Right? It's the most important commandment to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And it's the only commandment that if a person dies in disobedience of this commandment, then this will earn a person eternity in Jahannam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi wa yaghfiru ma duna thalika li man yasha wa man yushrik billah faqad iftara ithman azimah That surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive that partners be associated with him. He does not forgive this. But anything that's lesser than this, any sin that's lesser than associating partners with Allah, Allah forgives that to whomever he wills. But whoever associates partners with Allah, this person has forged a great sin. In another verse, Whoever associates partners with Allah and dies upon that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Jannah haram for this person. So this is very serious. So Yusuf alayhi salam, he's trying to get these young men to understand this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded that you worship no one except him. This is the true religion to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But most of the people, they don't. Most of the people, they don't know. But the reality is that the true religion is worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now he has given these people da'wah. He has called them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has called them to tawheed. Now, after he has done this, he goes ahead and interprets the dreams for these two young men. What was the meaning of these dreams? So he says to the first person, the server of drinks of the king. Remember who the server of drinks of the king was. He's the one who actually didn't go through with the assassination attempt. He did not put poison in the drink. And he actually warned the king not to eat the food of the chef, right? So what was the interpretation of his dream? Remember, what was his dream? He said, his dream was, Inni arani that I see that I'm, I'm, uh, I am squeezing grapes and making wine for the king. So what's the interpretation of this dream? Yusuf tells him the interpretation. Ya sahibay sijni amma ahadukuma fayasqi rabbahu khamra. He says to the first one, to the server of drinks of the king, that the interpretation of your dream is that you will go back to your old job. You will be released from prison. You will go back to your old job of making wine for the king. 
the king is basically going to forgive you and you're going to go back to your job serving him drinks, right? And the Mufassirin have mentioned, remember the details of his dream is that he saw three bunches of grapes. So those three bunches, they signify three days that you will be in jail, you will, you will stay in jail for three days. And after those three days, you will be released and you'll go back to your old job making wine for the king. So you're going to go back to your old job. As for the chef of the king, the one who actually tried to poison the king, who actually put poison in the food of the king. What is the interpretation of his dream? Remember his dream is that he saw he's carrying on his head some bread and birds are coming and eating from that bread. And, and the details of that dream as Mufassini have mentioned, he actually had three baskets on his head. And these three baskets had bread and food in it and the birds are coming and eating from them. So what was the interpretation of that dream? As for this one, the chef of the king, the interpretation of his dream is that he will be crucified. He will be executed for trying to assassinate the king. He will be, he will be executed and he will be put on a cross. He will be cru crucified. And he will remain on that cross for a period of time, for such a period of time that birds will actually start coming and, and they will start to eat from his skull. His head will become exposed, right? And the birds are going to come and start eating from his head, right? So he's going to be crucified and he's going to remain in that position for a period of time so that his body will deteriorate to such an extent that birds are going to start coming and pecking at his head. That was his punishment for trying to, to assassinate the king, right? And the fact that he had three baskets on his head in that dream, again, it meant he's going to be in jail for three days, that these orders of the king are going to come after three days. So after three days, the server of drinks is going to be released and go, to his, go back to his old job. And after three days, the chef is going to be crucified. Right? So one of them is going to be saved and one of them is going to be executed. As for the one who was saved, the server of drinks of the king, Yusuf السلام, he said to him, when you get out, you're going to be in this jail for three more days and then you're going to be released. So I have a favor to ask for you. So he said to that server of drinks of the king, He said to him, the one who he knew would be saved, who would be released from the jail, he said to him, that just mention me to your master. When you are released and when you go back to the king, when you meet the king, can you just tell him about me? Tell him that there is a man in jail and his name is Yusuf and he has been imprisoned unjustly can you do something to help him out? He basically, he asked for this man that when you're released, can you intercede on my behalf to the king? He asked for this favor, right? But the shaytan made him forget to mention Yusuf to the king. Now this phrase, 
the Mufassirin have two interpretations of this phrase. Some of the Mufassirin have, have said that this is referring to the man who was released from prison, the server of drinks of the king, that he is the one who the shaitan made him forget to mention the case of Yusuf to the king. He told Yusuf he said, yes, when I'm released, I'm going to tell the king about your situation. But then when he was released, he forgot to do so. When he, when he was released and he went back to his old job, he forgot all about Yusuf in this situation. So he didn't mention him to the king. Another interpretation that some of the Mufassirin have said that this is referring not to that man who was released from prison, but it's referring to Yusuf himself. That when Yusuf asked this man for the favor, he said, when you get out of jail, can you mention me? Can you intercede on my behalf to the, on my behalf to the king? He should have instead asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it, right? So some of the Fasirin have mentioned this phrase, that the shaitan made Yusuf forget to mention Allah, forget to ask Allah, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Don't ask this guy to help you. Don't ask for intercession from this guy. Ask Allah to help you. So some of the Fasirin have mentioned that this is referring to Yusuf The shaitan made him forget to mention Allah but rather he asked this guy, you go, please intercede on my behalf to the king. So there are two interpretations of the Fasiri. Either the man who was released from prison forgot to mention Yusuf to the king, or it could mean that the shaitan made Yusuf forget to mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead. But rather he, he asked this man for help. And some of the Fasirin who have this opinion that it's referring to Yusuf they, they mention in the books of Tafsir that after this happened, after Yusuf السلام, asked for this favor from this man, Jibreel السلام, came to the prison. Jibreel السلام, came to the prison and he met with Yusuf السلام, and he spoke to Yusuf السلام, and he asked Yusuf السلام, Ya Yusuf, Oh Yusuf, who created you? Who created you? And Yusuf السلام, said Allah. And then Jibreel السلام, asked him, Who made you so beloved to your father? Yusuf said, Allah. Who saved you from the darkness of the well when you were thrown in the well by your brothers? Who saved you? Yusuf said, Allah. Who saved you from the plot of Zulaikha when she tried to get you, she tried to tempt you to commit an act of immorality? Who saved you from falling into her trap? Allah. Allah, 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 Allah. Allah is the one who saved him every time. So then Jibreel السلام, asked Yusuf السلام, So Allah saved you every time. Every problem you've been in, every situation of difficulty that you've been in, Allah is the one who saved you every time. So now why are you asking this guy to help you? When it's Allah who has saved you every time, why are you asking this guy to intercede on your behalf to the king? Right? So because of this, because of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he made Yusuf alayhi salam stay in prison for a few more years. The shaitan made Yusuf alayhi salam forget to mention Allah. So because of that, So Yusuf alayhi salam, he, re he remained in prison for a few more years because of this. So when Jibreel alayhi salam told Yusuf alayhi salam that because of this, you're going, to, you're going to have to remain in prison for a few more years. See, the standards of prophets, 
the standard that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds prophets to, it's a very, very high standard. So Yusuf alayhi salam for asking this person for help, instead of calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking for help, because of that, he had to stay in prison for few more years, not a few more days or a few more weeks, no, a few more years. See the standard that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds his, his prophets to. That he stayed in prison for a few more years. The word it is a number, it means a few, but literally it translates to anything from three to nine. So he stayed in prison for a few years, anything from three to nine, but most, most of the Mufassirin have mentioned that he stayed in prison for seven more years after this. After interpreting the dreams for these two young men, he stayed in prison for seven more years. Now he had already been in prison for five years up to this point. Now he stayed in prison for seven more years. So the total amount of time that he spent in prison for a crime that he never even committed, he spent 12 years in prison, subhanAllah. And he was patient upon that. When Jibreel alayhi salam told him that you're going to have to stay in prison for some more years now because of this, Yusuf alayhi salam, he asked Jibreel alayhi salam, but is Allah pleased with me? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased with me? And Jibreel alayhi salam said, yes, Allah is pleased with me. So he said, Fala then I don't mind. Even if I have to spend more years in prison, as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with me, then I'm comfortable with my situation. That's all that matters, right? That's all that matters. Whatever situation you're in, as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with you, then, you know, whatever difficulty you go through, Alhamdulillah, you can still have peace in your heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased. Right? So just continue, you know, no matter what situation you're in, do not leave off your obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not fall into disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Continue to do things that are pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah will take care of you. No matter what difficulties you go through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you. And that's what we learn from this, this, uh, this time that Yusuf السلام, spent in prison. All right, so now he's in prison for seven more years, seven more years. All right. After some years, Yusuf السلام, he's spending you know, these seven years in prison. Towards the end of this time, towards the end of these seven years, towards the end of these seven years, now Yusuf السلام, has been in, in prison for almost 12 years total, right? During the end of that period, the king of Egypt, Rayyan ibn al-Walid, he had a dream. He had a dream that disturbed him, right? And he called all of his ministers and the people who worked for him and, uh, you know, his staff. He called all of them to tell them about this dream because he thought, okay, maybe someone knows how to interpret dreams. They can, they can tell me what this dream means. He had a dream that really, really shook him and disturbed him. And he wanted to know the meaning of this dream, right? And inshallah, we'll talk about the dream of the king and the interpretation of this dream and how this interpretation actually is what gets Yusuf السلام, released from prison. Inshallah, we'll speak about that next week. Bismillah in the continuation of the Tafsir of Surah Yusuf. So we'll stop there for tonight, inshallah, and I'll leave the last few minutes for any questions that, that uh, people may have. If you have any questions, uh, you can go ahead and ask those questions now. Barakallahu feekum.